Hi everyone, this is Robert from Solutions Brewing, and joining me today is Stephen Sock. Yeah, that's me. And normally we have Brendan joining us today, but he was not able to make it, so you guys get the two for a show today. Yeah, our first uh, our first show without everyone on it. It's going to be kind of interesting. Oh, actually, Steve, this will be the second one. Oh, yeah, because I missed that one uh, a while back, right? Yeah, you missed one because you were busy in the hospital having a baby. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is my first podcast with only uh, only two people, so... <laughs> That's right. We'll have to do one with you and Brandon another time. That way I also get to miss out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it must be even. <laughs> so today, everyone, we're talking about why we decided to start with contract brewing instead of going all in with the location and brew house and all that fun stuff. Yeah, because it was a long journey to get to where we're at right now. We could start with like a little bit of history about how we kind of came about and sort of thing. I don't know if we've actually detailed yet. Like we went between uh, contract brewing and like full brick and mortar uh, kind of operation many, many times. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We, we've definitely had a lot of time to think about it. We definitely had our hearts set on a brick and mortar location. In the end, we did end up deciding to go contract brewing. But uh, uh, I guess uh, uh, for people who were just starting that journey or unsure of, uh, we're since we're in Canada, uh, Alberta specifically, you have to, if you want to have a brewery, even if it's a contract brewery, uh, you need to create a business entity and it has to be incorporated uh, no matter what. So that's a little bit of a process involved there. It's not expensive. It's just a little time consuming. Yeah, because... Because there's background checks and then there's like, you know, you actually have to get accounts ready. You have to get a bunch of documentation signed and like ready to go. And like you have to incorporate a business. Like, and again, doing that's not hard because people like it costs like what, 500 bucks to incorporate a business in Alberta? Yeah, it was like $500. Yeah, maybe a little bit more. I think it might have been, I think it was 50 or $75. You have to do a, you have to do a name search through the government to make sure that you're picking a name that's not too close to something else or and doesn't already exist yeah <laughs> you can't call yourself google uh, that's right yeah, or yeah. google uh, brewing yeah <laughs> or uh or big rock brewing yeah it's new big rock brewing yeah <laughs> yeah that's right yeah so there there's steps like that involved and then once you're actually going to do it then it, it costs i think 500 dollars at that point to claim the name and have the business declared as your own. Again, we're, t we're talking from a Canadian perspective. We don't know what it's like to do this in, in the United States or anywhere else. Or, or other provinces, yeah. Or even other provinces, yeah. But you had to know, um, you had to create a list of who the directors are, the shareholders, and this all has to be documented. You had to set up bank account uh, or accounts, depending on how you want to go about it. We had to, we had to apply for the with the AGLC as well. So we had to basically do all this kind of stuff and then when it came time we had to actually go to the aglc and be like yeah i think it was at that point we had to choose or you have to tell them that you're either opening a contract brewery or you're opening up a physical location yeah it had been incorporated to apply for the liquor license but then depending on what kind of liquor license you were going for uh that kind of determined if you were going to be a contract brewer or if you're going to do a physical location so I guess we should explain like the, the main difference. And so a contract brewer is a brewer that doesn't actually have their own physical location. So they are brewing beer, but they're using someone else's equipment. 
any kind of brewery can actually use any other breweries facilities in that to brew beer so actually what happened during the pandemic <laughs> was a whole bunch of tiny breweries in calgary started using some of the big uh big brew guys that exist and do contract brewing for you know big companies like labat and all that kind of stuff uh they didn't have anything in cans so they signed a whole bunch of contracts with uh big brewery to basically be like hey here's our recipe here's all of the stuff that goes into our stuff please brew our beer for you know a, a price and all that kind of stuff so a contract brewer, like they can have a physical location, but generally it's like you're using someone else's equipment. And then the physical location is that you have your own location, you have your own equipment, and you're brewing your own beer. And in Alberta, at least, is that both like are considered, quote unquote, a brewery, but one is treated significantly nicer than the other. If you're a physical location, you get a whole bunch of perks and privileges as a result of being physical. But there, uh, like, don't forget, there are, are financial commitments are different for each of them, right? So yes, uh, for contracting, because you don't need a physical location, you're not paying rent, you don't have to buy equipment, you just have to take care of uh, basically materials. You gotta make sure you have cans, uh, ingredients. Uh, labels for your cans, you know, that kind of stuff. Whereas you need that if you have a physical location on top of all that other stuff. So you have to buy equipment, right? So you need you need that hot liquor tank, which is, uh, by the way, is not really doesn't really hold liquor. It actually just holds hot water. It's just called a hot liquor tank. <laughs> uh, so you basically need a giant hot water tank, a mat, your mash tun, and your brew kettle or your boil kettle. And then you need your fermenters, you need your bright tank, cold storage for your beer because... Hopefully you don't want to keep your beer warm. No, don't store don't store beer warm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you should you should store your beer cold. Um, and if you have like a tap room and all that, then you need all your taps. Uh, you know, you know, all your lines running to that. You need to pay for utilities, uh, people to run the location. Yeah, rent. Yeah, rent and all this kind of stuff. And you need to bring in a certain amount of money every month. So, so the cost difference between it is like a single batch of beer. Uh, depending on who you go with and all this kind of stuff, uh, a contract brewer can basically brew a beer of, again, varying sizes for four to five figures, depending on the size. Uh, to open a physical location, you're going to need about like low to maybe mid six figures, depending on location and all this other stuff and renovations and that uh we've talked to like when we started our research we talked to tons of brewers across alberta and i think the cheapest we ever found was probably dandy and dandy got in like before the craft brew boom sort of stuff but they they spent probably mid five figures opening a location and you know trying to sell beer and all that and then we've you know other locations uh i know for for one snake lake brewing in uh sylvan lake their facility like their total cost of their facility and all that kind of stuff was probably in the range of a couple million dollars like two million something like that so they so they weren't just a six figure they were a, a seven figure by the time everything's said and done so that's just to give it like a little bit of perspective on size <laughs> is that yeah like contract brewing is significantly cheaper way less risk 
Yeah. Um, so we're talking like 10 times the price difference or less to contract group versus have a physical location. So yeah. So yeah, five, so like five figures versus six figures. So you're talking about tens of thousands of dollars for uh, a contract brew and uh, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars for a physical location. That, that's just to give some perspective on that. So if you think about it, you're, you're in a way more financial commitment if you're going to get a physical location, uh, which is nothing wrong if you're ready to do that. But between myself, Stephen, and Brandon, uh, who are all working full-time jobs currently and you know can't afford to not have regular income, contract brewing is a good way to kind of yeah to test the waters because yeah like it's a lot easier to you know do a brew you know try and market it and all that kind of stuff and have it fail but then you just fail walk away and you know you you wasted not i wouldn't say waste money you uh, you spent some money and you got a result whereas if you put up your house as collateral sort of stuff or you sink again six figures into a business and it goes belly up like that's a lot harder of a sting like it can be successful but it's just the risk is significantly more on opening a physical location so that's kind of the one of the situations we walked into here which is why we thought contracting would help and some of the challenge we're finding between this, which is why we're also looking for a physical location, is in Alberta, the rules are, if you're a contract brewer, you're not allowed to do any direct sales. Now, that sounds really weird, and it kind of is. Uh, in Alberta, we have a, a governing body called AGLC, which stands for Alberta Gaming and Liquor Commission. Actually, it's Liquor and Cannabis now. Liquor and Cannabis, sorry, yeah. They changed that C. It's AGL. Oh, they could probably change the AGLCC, I guess. But yeah. Uh, so in Alberta, technically, 100% of distribution is done through that governing body, the AGLC. And they make the rules on who's allowed to sell and who's not allowed to sell. And if you do not have a location, so you're a contractor like us, you are not allowed to make sales. All of our supply has to go has to go to a AGLC-approved warehouse where anyone can order it from. So that's one nice advantage in Alberta is there is one centralized warehouse. All the booze goes there. And then anyone can order it and they take care of the distribution they will deliver. Yeah. So like your local liquor store in Alberta, at least, uh, you know, they might get a, be getting a mix from local uh, breweries or local, you know, spirits and distillers and all that. But generally they put in an order once per week with the AGLC to basically do their stock. So they basically, you know, go onto the website, say, I want this, 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 uh, the pickers, then go get it all together, uh, put it onto a pallet usually, um, and then ship it off to those locations. And so like even tiny liquor stores will get like a pallet or two of fresh product a week. And then, you know, with us at least, like we're, you know, a couple cases that go on top of the beer part of the pallet for these places. And yeah, like it, it it's it's a good, you know, way to distribute. It has advantages, but it, it does have disadvantages. So like basically we're stuck in our current capacity trying to go to liquor stores, bars. Um, you know, we, we would be doing uh, brew fests and conventions sort of thing if we there was any going on. And But yeah, we have to go and convince people to carry our product. And in Alberta, especially with the craft beer revolution, it is really hard to compete against 
every other brewery who's also going to all these different liquor stores and, and especially as a new brewery we're we're risky because again we're fairly small and our audience is still pretty small like it's a passionate audience but it's a small audience yeah so i mean the having a centralized distribution has advantages in terms of um we don't have to worry about actually distributing anything we just have to get our product to their warehouse and they take care of it and it's available anywhere in our province anyone who cares to order it can get it yeah I was, I was just going to say we had our we've had our beer in Grand Prairie, we've had it down in Calgary, uh, Bray Creek, Cochrane, like all over. Like it's it's quite remarkable where you know we'll get the notification of, oh your beer has been ordered by this liquor store in this place, and you're like, really? Like we didn't even go there, but someone saw our product and was like, hey, I'll take a risk on it. So that that's a nice thing about the central distribution system yeah absolutely like uh like i've seen sales for us in 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 towns that i didn't even know existed and i've lived in alberta my whole life <laughs> so <laughs> you know uh yeah nice little shout out to like say grimshaw for example has ordered it i was like wow where's grimshaw it's like just around edmonton so yeah but like but one disadvantage is because aglc UK gets to regulate all of this they get to say who's allowed to do what who's not allowed to do something yeah and that's especially for us, like it's been uh, like since we're not allowed to self-distribute and all that, um, like distribution of cans is one of the more expensive ways to distribute beer. So one of the cheap, like the cheapest ways actually is literally a tap room. Like you still have your manufacturing costs, but you still you don't have to do any distribution costs, no shipping, uh, none of that. And that actually makes a significant portion of like the cost of your beer. So if you were to like take a beer can and divide it into sections based on how much stuff costs, ingredients is actually a fairly small portion of it. It's like a like less I'd say about a third, roughly, depending on what you're what you're putting into and all that kind of stuff. At least half is like just can, like a can. Like you get a ten percent deposit back, but it doesn't cost ten cents to get an aluminum can. Because it's you got to get the aluminum can, you got to get the lid for the aluminum can, which is sold separately. <laughs> the the two things don't come as one, and then a label. So like one of the things about doing the the contract brewing is like how much of your product is not tied up in the actual product it's contained. It's the container where a lot of your costs are. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you think about it, how many tiny 355 mil or 473 milliliter cans you need to fill 2,500 liters worth? <laughs> yeah. How many thousands of cans? Yeah. It's a, it's a <laughs> lot of cans. But yeah, especially at this point in time, and you know, even without the pandemic, uh, we still wouldn't be allowed to do direct sales, which other, if you have a location, you're allowed to do home deliveries in Alberta which is a nice little advantage to have too. Yeah, like having a digital storefront where you can just sell beer and then do deliveries from, like that's a big advantage that the physical locations have. Yeah, and and you know what? I don't even think that'll go away. You know, like even when the pandemic is over, I, I think that that will probably still be an option that you can keep as like one of your business models, right? Where you will still be allowed to do those sales no matter what. Oh yeah, I agree. Like that's unlocked Pandora's box and now they're not going to be able to close that up again. I mean, why would you take it away? You're adding another level of convenience for the consumer. I mean, it's tougher for, you know, every single business to be able to do that. 
because obviously if you're just doing it on your own, like in our case, if we had a location, it's just the three of us. It's like, oh, you need to run a location and someone has to be able to run around and do deliveries. Yeah. <laughs> so it might not always be, might not be feasible for everyone, but at least that option now exists and it probably will exist post pandemic. Like I can't, I can't see that going away. So we, I was going to say, we should kind of look back down because we've, been talking about the process and all that um we should we loop it back to like our specific situation because when we first started yeah we were hell bent on opening a physical location for like all of the advantages because we're like yeah we'll be able to brew keep our costs low you know find a cheap location with low rent and low utility sort of stuff and basically any money we make pour back into the into the business the the main thing that we were running into for physical location is finding one and finding a, a brew system, which is something we're we're still talking about to this day. Like just before this uh, <laughs> this uh, podcast, we were just talking about brew systems because the uh, exchange rate for U.S. dollar is actually really great right now for if you're uh, in Canada. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's not very often where the Canadian dollar starts to get close to par with the US dollar and so when that happens it's it's advantageous to buy uh, to be able to start looking at stuff on the other side of the border where there are more options and oftentimes cheaper but that's just because they get economies of scale in the US compared to Canada when your neighbor is 10 times the population of you there's there are advantages that, that come with that and like for us like because we because we looked at both like we were we were going to do proposals to the AGLC based on a contract brewing and on opening a physical location brewing for the longest time we actually got to the point where like no like we're going to open a physical location it's a smart choice economically and feasibility was what we thought but then it was the interesting thing is that like we kind of uh i think we were talking to a brewer i think we were talking to patrick schnarr at outcast brewing yeah we were talking to him and he kind of he kind of uh like got us to to check ourselves that's what he basically got us to do because we were talking about his location and his uh, how he got up and all that kind of running and he kind of was like you you could start but you're gonna run into costs and all that that are gonna just like not bankrupt you but it's gonna be harsh i was, I was just gonna say that um he gave us a very harsh but very truthful advice, which was information about hidden costs when you have to renovate and build out your space. So you like, you know, you have a space and uh, you have your, your diagrams all done up and HLC might well, say, yep, that's okay. We approve of those designs. And then, and then, you know, whatever else you come into when you're, whatever trouble you come into when you're demolishing a space and building it up, you know, some inspector could come in and say, no, this is no good. You need to do this or that. You know, those are the kind of hidden costs that we didn't necessarily think about. Yeah, like the city or the municipality might come in and be like, yeah, this is not code. You need to bring this up to code in some which way, which like for him, uh, not getting a cost or anything like that, but his fire protection, it was level one and he had it upgraded to level two. And that was a five figure cost to basically get that done. Because otherwise, like, no, because you, you're a brewery, you are, you know, unfortunately a, a fire risk because you're boiling stuff and 
you know, depending on your system, you might be using gas or electric or whatever, but it's, you know, a potential fire hazard. So he had to upgrade that. And then like another thing he had to do, his air exchange had to be upgraded because it wasn't sufficient for the space. Yeah. I remember that he needed extra ventilation or something. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then I think he, I, I think one of the questions he asks is like, does anyone actually like your beer? <laughs> I think is what he said. And sure enough that we like our beer and people who have had our beer like our beer. Like, you know, like how many hundreds of liters have we given away to friends and family over the years just because we're brewing? We're like, oh, yeah, like, please come have some of this sort of thing. But his his point was like, is anyone else going to like your beer is anyone going to pay for your beer and yeah that's actually a that's a very good question yeah because everyone will drink free beer but will they will will they drink the same beer and pay for it (laughs) yeah and like we had the confidence that yes people would pay to have our beer but yeah it it kind of you know stopped us for a second because we're like you know we had an x amount of funds set aside for this thing and then it was like yeah are are we really willing to throw all that in there and see what happens and thankfully you know we kind of stopped and went you know what's so much less risk (laughs) why don't we do the contract brew and see if we can sell our beer and then also we chose the perfect absolutely perfect time to do like all of our uh was it background check stuff and uh uh what was it what was also getting the uh, incorporation and all that kind of uh application to the aglc in january essentially is when we started all that kind of stuff and then march everything goes to shit <laughs> yeah then we didn't end up we didn't actually end up doing our first contract batch until the first one was september and then we did we did three back to back to back because we did three beers right away which i don't know for anyone listening I don't know if I would recommend doing three like that. I would, I'd probably say pick your number one and then stick to a number one. Yeah. Just because of when, when no one's heard of you, it's hard to sell three beers versus just one. Yeah. It's one thing that definitely like going around and being like, Hey, we offer these three kind of beers. It would have been a lot simpler to just be like, yeah, this is our ale. You know, if people like it, you know, we'll bring out some additional beers, but yeah, definitely in hindsight now, it's been really hard to sell three beers and it would have been easier to sell one beer. Especially we're finding like as the seasons change, definitely different beers do. So you might want to consider whatever your one beer is, maybe, maybe do two. Um, depending on the season, you might want to think about which one you do. Cause, uh, I mean, you hear about this all the time, but you don't, you don't really realize it until you're trying to sell something. Um, <laughs> there is a pretty big difference, uh, in terms of like, say stouts, our stout, we sold a fair amount of stout over the winter months. And then now we're selling almost none of it versus their lighter beers, which are, which are selling really good right now, but we're not doing well in the winter. Yeah. And yeah, that, like that's a. Uh... Yeah, you're right. Like you hear about, it, you're like, oh, that can't really be a thing, and it totally is. That people's taste is kind of linked to the season because, yeah, you if it's spring and you're on the patio, you definitely want a nice light beer, you know, light and citrusy or something like that, or you know, maybe a little sour. And in the winter, you definitely want darker malts, uh, caramels, stouts, porters. Um, yeah, you, you it's it's remarkable you know because it's it's the same beer like like i'll i'll drink the same beer all year sort of thing but i definitely 
you know, now I'm thinking of it, it's like I definitely brew darker beers starting in September and I brew lighter beers in the uh, in the spring. Like I I'm starting a batch of my uh, my Goza because it'll be ready by, you know, mid-June at this point. And yeah, like it it's the season because I'm going to throw some watermelon in that. Oh, this is the watermelon one? Yeah. Oh, so if anyone hasn't heard, we we had a little discussion about this one. I'm hoping I actually get to have some this time. Yes, I will. I will specifically bottle some and put it aside for you, and then you can have it. I'll, I'll come bring a growler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and like that's like it's a, a thing you don't think about, but as a brewery, it's something that bam you have to have to deal with. So, like eventually like we're we're still looking to open our physical location and we're gonna have a variety of beers on tap and all that kind of stuff but definitely for us the contract brewing was the right way to go i remember back in like 2018 and 2019 when we were talking about it i was very against it i was like no 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 it's like a waste of money we're gonna pay so much in you know to the government and all this kind of stuff like it's it's not worth it we should really open a physical location and i'm really glad i was had my mind changed just because it's like yeah i wouldn't want to have a physical location and be in the middle of this right now it, it would be tough right now if we if we had if you think of it as like a gamble only gamble what you're willing to lose and um you know we're looking at we spent less than fifty thousand dollars so far yeah so far and um <laughs> And at least this point, we can see you like, oh, okay, we're you know we're not we're not getting rich off of what what we're doing, but we're not exactly going broke either. And and it just gives you a better perspective on what on what the advantages are of having uh, of contracting versus having the physical location and vice versa, right? The, the disadvantages and advantages to each. And when you do one, you know you, you can realize you can understand the different perspectives a little bit. You know, and when you're only risking, you know, less than fifty thousand versus quarter million or more, then, then you know how, how much how much are you willing to lose is what you got to look at it. Like, think positive for sure. Like, think of how successful and you're going to be, but also know that you could lose it all. You have to be able to absorb that loss. You're willing to lose if it happens, right? You don't want it to, obviously. You don't, uh, you know, you don't, you don't drive your business into the ground, but. But you have to be aware that it is a possibility. Well, I think that's uh, pretty good for this episode then, because yeah, we kind of went over both and kind of did a <laughs> did our thing. Yeah. So uh, you know, I'd, hopefully, some if anyone's out there is even interested in that kind of stuff, you know, you could certainly reach out to us and see if we have some new perspective by the time you hear this, because uh, this is our our tenth recording. But at this point in time, there are only two episodes released. So there's a little bit of a, a lag because we decided to do a bunch of recordings before in postings. <laughs> yeah. um, which uh, brings me to another point, which we're, we've had some really good feedback on those two episodes so far. and we, we really appreciate that. We've incorporated those um, going forward already. Yeah, and especially one to a friend of the show, uh, Dr. Jen, because uh, she heard some of our first uh, first episodes and like uh, wrote a significant uh, document about uh, what we could do and uh, how we could improve in that. So thank you so much, Jen. That was uh, that was great. Dr. Jen here wrote us a four page bullet point document. So <laughs> it was it was very informative, very helpful. 
Yeah, she she listens to the podcast. Of, or like it was only our first episode, like the fifteen minute one, and she like just like was like do do do, and we're like, wow, yeah, she yeah she knows what she's talking about, and yeah, that's great. Sure, yeah, next episode we'll make sure we do that. So, and um, <laughs> it's kind of unfortunate I didn't catch this earlier, but because this is only two episodes have been released, I don't know how this happened because we're in Canada and we've, we're brand new. There are two people, or it says two streams, so I'm assuming it's two separate people from Belgium. That have also listened to us so far so uh thank you belgium <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh since there is some international people here we're trying to be more cognizant of that and be a little bit more descriptive in terms of <clears throat> locations and our point our our, our point of view is yeah because yeah originally it was like a you know hyper local podcast but uh yeah if some people are listening from across the pond then yeah no we'll, we'll try and uh explain some of this our particular nuances here as as we come across them yeah and if uh anyone from outside of canada or even outside of alberta uh wants to um hear something specific or have some questions uh feel free to reach out to us at no problems at solutionsbrewing.com or you can hit us up on social media too at Solutions Brewing Co. Yeah, and I think that about wraps up this episode. I don't, I, I don't think I have anything else to say. <laughs> no, I think that's everything. Is hopefully this was helpful, and uh, we hope to hear from you, and we hope you continue listening. Yeah, well, uh, we'll see you guys next time. Take care, everyone. Bye.